Welcome to Invisible Arts with Richard Gibbs, brought to you by Armory of Harmony. This episode is called Only a Dad. I do want to warn you, it kind of jumps all over the place. I went to our firstborn son's preschool open house. I had quit Oingo Boingo when Keegan was born so that I wouldn't miss any of those precious moments. Now I thought I was pretty cool for a dad. After all, the other dads in that school were doctors, accountants, lawyers, and businessmen. I was the only recently reformed rock star. The open house was a typical one. Four-year-olds running willy-nilly everywhere. As I sat down in Keegan's tiny chair at his little table and examined his artwork and noodle necklaces. A little boy sat down in the chair next to me and stared at my long hair and hipster clothes quizzically. Are you Keegan's dad? He asked. I swelled a little, thinking of how Keegan must have been bragging about me like all little boys do about their fathers. Maybe he had told him about how I had performed before millions of people, had recorded with many famous stars, or maybe just how cool I was. I smiled. Why, yes. Yes, I am. And I went back to looking at his Picasso pasta. The little boy kept staring. I looked back and said, what's up? The little dude squinted and said, you don't look like a cop. Boy, did that pop my rock star dad bubble. Keegan had been telling all his little friends that his dad was a policeman. You know, people say that sons go through their lives seeking their father's approval. But I would add, I think fathers go through their lives seeking their son's approval. The Endless Summer is the movie that inspired me to learn how to surf. I was 10 years old and living in Ohio in 1966 when it came out. Kind of frustrating to live in Ohio and be inspired to surf. But as fate would have it, my father's tile factory mysteriously burned to the ground one day. Dad ended up in Florida with a new company and a new career. My brothers, mother, and I were to reunite with him there, or so we were told in that watershed summer of 1968. We sold our family home and the Baldwin Grand Piano that I had started playing at the age of five. We learned of Robert Kennedy's assassination on our Buick station wagon's radio as we drove across the Ohio River, headed south to the Sunshine State. We arrived in Jacksonville and met up with Dad in a funky apartment complex, exhausted but anxious to start a new life with our nuclear family. Well, that wasn't to be. Dad announced on the day we arrived, unceremoniously, that he was going to divorce Mom. Mom's mother lived 90 miles south down in Norman Beach. We moved in with her that summer while my mom licked her wounds and very quickly and astonishingly in retrospect, rebuilt her life. She bought a little house a block from the sand in Daytona Beach. The only good news was that now I could learn to surf in earnest. Sandals too. Everybody's got 
another bit of good fortune was that I was befriended by a clan of surfers around the corner known as the Condon family. Bob and Ron were older and already epic surfers in my eyes. Barbara was the best and certainly most beautiful female surfer in the county. And little brother Rod was soon to be the best surfer of all. Bob and Ron followed the trail blazed years earlier by Bruce Brown, the man who made that primordial film, The Endless Summer. They started making and exhibiting surf movies, funding their travels to exotic locales like California and Hawaii via $2 ticket sales in high school and college auditoriums. They were doing it exactly like Bruce had done when he first started, shooting on cameras with no sound, editing the best waves together, then playing records while narrating the scenes. Bob and Ron came to me, the hippie kid down the block, because I had the largest record collection in town. I sat with them and timed out every scene in one of their films with a little stopwatch. Now, first, I got to tell you, I didn't know anything about film scoring. I didn't even know there was such a job as a film composer. But I looked for songs that would fit to each one of the scenes. Giant waves pounding the North Shore of Oahu. King Crimson, Mark's Tongues and Aspect 2. Mellow, four to six foot, perfect glassy waves. Almond Brothers, Jessica. I went out on the road with Bob and Ron with my little Radio Shack cassette player playing my compilation tape in perfect sync with their movie. Bob provided hilarious narration to the waves, a la Bruce Brown. And Ronnie... He ran the projector and did all the hard work. The seeds of a budding film composer were sown in those high school auditoriums filled with hooting surfers. I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston and earned a degree in classical composition. I jumped in my funky old Dodge van and headed west to California, where the big waves were and a career awaited me as a musician and eventually a film composer. Years later, in 2002, with dozens of film scores under my belt, I get a call from a music supervisor named George Acogni. Would I be interested in scoring a surf movie called Step Into Liquid, directed by Dana Brown and produced by his legendary father, Bruce? Are you kidding? I'm doing that. Just yesterday, I had the chance to reconnect with Dana, and I asked him, what are you up to? In 2012, I took my dad, uh, Bruce Brown, the famous filmmaker of Endless Summer, on a Sunday. My brother's sister and I got an RV, and we took him up the coast, and then we also took him to Hawaii, and he saw, like, visited Buffalo and all these guys. And uh, it's really about the road trip, but it's also about his life and uh, his friends, you know. It's called uh, Lives of Endless Summer. Look for it. Hey, Dana, what was the process when your dad started out, the process of making surf movies? There was no distributor, so they'd shoot for like three months, edit for three months, and then show it for like six months and then do it all over again. And the way they showed it was they, what they call four-walling. They'd rent an auditorium or a school gymnasium or something and charge a buck fifty a ticket, and people would come, and then dad would narrate it live. 
Because they were shot without sound, right? They were shot without sound, and then you could play any music you wanted. He had a little uh, quarter-inch reel-to-reel tape player, and he'd sit there and narrate it, and as he played the music, and if the music got too far ahead of the picture, he'd put his finger on one of the reels to slow it down a little bit, or he could speed it up. So it was an event. You know, I think when people talk about old surf movies, you know, old-timers, that's what they're talking about. They, they went and they saw the person that made it. With Endless Summer, he he did that for two years, but the reaction was so good, he kept trying to get a mainstream distributor, which he finally did two years into it. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. So up until that point, all surf movies were basically a live performance. With film. My mom ran the projector. Dad would narrate it. It is, it is pretty amazing how they how much things evolved and so quickly. And if it wasn't for them, I, I don't think, you know, it would be where it is. Sounds like you really miss him. Yeah, I miss him every day. Just for the laughs, actually. <laughs> the sunball things in Endless Summer, you know, where you see mm-hmm. sunset and it's kind of a visual motif. You know, he always said, because people go, that's amazing. How'd you come up with that? And he just would always say, Lawrence of Arabia. like everybody else did they didn't live in a vacuum they were just trying to evolve with this with the sport and the lifestyle they love well my dad was a negative influence everything that he didn't want me to do is what i did the last thing in the world he wanted was for me to be a musician so i became a musician (laughs) he wanted me to be a lawyer and he he didn't want to fund me going to music school and i had to threaten him okay that i'm not going to school at all so finally, he helped me out. Wow. It can swing either way. He still influenced me. So I love hearing the positive flip of that coin with you and your dad. So my question for you, has your son, has Wesley picked up the mantle? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's done a few films and uh, worked with me on my last couple films. I think there's a bug you catch, you know, if it's a positive experience or if you perceive it when you're a kid. You know, you kind of gravitate towards it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it'd be the same way if it's negative. You know, when I heard from your music supervisor, George, about Step Into Liquid, I got pretty excited right away. George explained that you guys had a pretty tight budget. But I said, I don't care. I'm doing it. <laughs> I have to do that. You don't understand. You know, I became a surfer because of his dad. So wow. you and J.P. Beagley, your cinematographer slash producer came up to meet me mm-hmm. and you kind of you kind of laid back i remember you sitting kind of in the back of the room and jp was doing most of the talking he said obviously we're interested in you but we're talking you know we're talking to a lot of different composers and i'm just like oh god here we go here here comes the hollywood shuffle <laughs> we listen to some of your music we really like it and we you know it means a lot to us that you're a great fan of surfing and i said wait stop I'm not a fan of surfing. I'm a surfer. (laughs) And at that moment, I remember out of the corner of my eye, seeing this big grin come across your face. Yeah. Yeah. See, I still laugh because it's how we identify, you know, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You're a surfer. You're a surfer. Whether you're good or old or young or anything, doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. I remember liking you. (laughs) 
you'd say you'd say phrases that I had, you know, I'm thinking of a world sound here. I think that's the the, the actual theme of the thing, and I was kind of like, uh, what, what does that mean? And then you know, in, in the voices you got like in Ireland and stuff, and you, and you were con- saying that to me out loud, and I just like I was, I remember I have goosebumps, just going like exactly. I remember my pitch to you was step in the liquid is a surf travelogue going from Hawaii to the Great Lakes to Ireland and Vietnam and needed one central musical theme, a melody that we could translate, that we could reimagine over and over with Irish penny whistle or island percussion. What you did with that theme to kind of, you know, join the movie together. And I knew that going in. I knew that was going to be important, you know, two years before I met you. I just didn't know how to translate it. I remember you saying that, thinking like, oh my God, he gets this. I mean, that's exactly right. Remember, we hired a boys' choir and a full orchestra. surfers 95 percent of the time you're just sitting waiting for a wave right <laughs> if you're if you're lucky yeah. it's 95 percent of the time <laughs> yeah. yeah so you're just kind of bobbing around in the water and you have a lot of time to meditate and think yeah it's a great time to be creative i remember as a kid thinking about music while i was out in the water and i'd hear led zeppelin in my head and i could you know reliving almond brothers whatever it might be and i started thinking about all the surf movies that were coming out at that time. And all these people were starting to follow in your dad's footsteps. Yeah. And I remember thinking back then, I'd love to take a classical approach to music with surf movies. Everybody uses rock and roll. I don't feel that captures the scope of the feeling of being out on the water. No, I couldn't agree more. Even, you know, you look at my dad's first three or four films he made, there's not much rock and roll at all. You know, he's a jazz guy. I'd always drum that in my head. 
Like he didn't like rock and roll, and it, it, it. I love listening to rock and roll, like all the bands you mentioned. Of course, that's the soundtrack of my youth and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, for a film, you you need more mind. Like, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but like yourself, you know. Because again, I can't do every. I'm not a musician. But when somebody comes up with something, they're treating it with importance and not just trying to find the latest cut that matches it. You know. Yeah. It, it's like. Uh, it's so much fun because then the movie itself takes on a whole different dimension. I mean, I, you know, bad music can kill a movie, but good music just sells it. The stuff you and I do, it's kind of a magic trick, and you don't always know how to do the magic trick, but you try your best. When that theme kicked in, and they kind of realized it wasn't just from the conveyor belt, the sound of the theme and the images, you feel people like smiling back at the thing, like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I remember that outdoor screening at the John Nansen Ford Theater in Coinga Pass. Mm-hmm. Remember the place was packed with hundreds of blonde surfers. Yeah. You kicked on the projector, and your first image was of Laird Hamilton dropping in on a massive wave of jaws while strapped to his board. Yeah. All the surfers started to hoot like crazy. When Laird kicked out of the wave, still strapped to his board, you guys captured... His kick out is such an angle that it appeared that he was flying higher than a helicopter that was in the shot. The surfers were hooting loud enough to be heard in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> Thanks to you and your dad, my life came full circle. Man, we haven't talked in a long time. No, we have not. And that, it's, it's good that we're capturing this moment. It's fun for me. Now, Keegan, our son, our eldest son, is an avid surfer from when he was a kid. I was very excited to share as much of that as I could with him, just the experience of it. Linda, you know, my wife and Keegan and I all went up to the Santa Barbara screening, to the premiere. You, yeah. you had like a museum set up at the base of the pier. There was a whole exhibit there. That was a, that was, and everybody showed up. Yeah. Curran and Slater and Sean Thompson and God, man, that was, yeah, that was a surrealistic night, that one. And at one point, me and Linda and Keegan are standing by the base of the pier, and I look over, and there's the Endless Summer Cafe. And I'm just looking at it, going, well, what, what that's all about? And right then, your dad walked up. <laughs> and, and I said, hey, Bruce. And, you know, I'd already met him, but you know, didn't know him all that well. I said, what's up with this? Is this yours? And he goes, oh, no, that was this guy, the local guy, a friend of mine. He asked if he could use the name, and I said, sure, go for it. You can use it. I said, so you don't get a piece of it? And he goes, nah, I bet I can get free hamburgers anytime I want. Yeah, that, that was it. We ate for free. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, you know, I, and I look at him and go, well, is it, is it any good? He goes, oh, yeah, it's great. You want to go eat? And I go, yeah. And he goes, come on in. I'll walk you in. He walked us in yeah. and sat down with us. That was the highlight of that whole experience there uh. is he sat at the table with me, Linda, and Keegan, who's... 18 at that point, and I'm dying to impress Keegan. Of course, Keegan was already like 10 times the surfer than I ever was, but, you know, I'd never admit that. Yeah. And your dad <laughs> proceeds to tell the craziest stories, one after another after another. Yeah, and he really liked you. He loved the job you did, and that was his way of, uh, of saying thank you. That, that was him. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. I remember once I had, you know, when you're like 15 or 16 and the first girl, you know, that get to come to your house and show her the house. This is our hallway. This is our TV. And from upstairs, my dad's like, 
it's not your TV, it's my TV. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear myself saying that to my kids. That's great. (laughs) It's interesting. It's funny, fathers and sons, because it's often fraught with, probably for genetic reasons, you know, so you leave the house. And and then, um, yeah, and the, the appreciation deepens you know, with age or it has with me. I mean, I always appreciate it, but, but now I realize what a, what a rare individual he was. My father died many years ago while we were somewhat estranged. There were some very dark demons that had come to light in his sunset years devils that had yet to be fully exercised. I have spent my life running away from his legacy, doing the opposite to whatever he said and did. But I can never run away from this one thing. He was still my dad. And no matter what, I know he always loved me. And I loved him. Happy Father's Day, everybody, no matter what day it is. Invisible Arts is produced at Woodshed Recording in Malibu, California. And my name is Keegan Gibbs.